Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Church Podcast. it's this week. Um, We are in starting a series called The Love Guru today, The Love Guru. And as we get started in this, I want to make a disclaimer. I am not saying I am the love guru, thank God. Um, If you're wondering what a guru is, think how how, like arrogant this would be, like wow, Justin. Um, A guru is an influential teacher or popular expert. So, Here's what I want you to know. I do not think I am this influential influential teacher or popular expert when it comes to love and relationships. However, the Bible is, and Jesus is, and so that is where we are basing all this love guru stuff. Some of you are like, now I know why you're growing your hair out, why it's getting a little longer, you're trying to become a hippie. Um, No, we are going to do a cantata on Easter, and I'm going to be Jesus. So um, that's what's going to happen. That's news to Shannon. He doesn't know, but <laughs> behold the land. Anyways, um, I'm ready. I'm ready. Put me in, coach. Um, but, but today, today as we get started, um, I, I want to let all everybody know next week um, we are going to be doing a, a sermon on sex. What's the big deal about sex? And it's a big deal. And your kids need to hear it. You need to hear it as couples, as dating, engaged, married. Um, if you're single, you need to understand sex is a big deal, and we are living in a culture that says it isn't. And so, so many times as parents, we want to shy away from this because it makes us feel uncomfortable, but man, your kid needs to be here, and they need to hear the truth because culture's telling them one thing, and the Bible says a whole other thing. And so, man, make sure that you're here. Make sure that you tune in online. It may make you feel a little awkward, but that's all right. A little awkwardness does a world of good. As we're in this series, here's what I want you to know. Nothing's going to get better in your relationship unless you work for it. All right? Nothing's going to get better in your marriage today, the next week, this year, unless you're willing to fight for it. And what has happened is many of us, we are busy fighting in instead of fighting for. We're great at fighting in our marriage, but we're not really good at fighting for our marriage. So as your pastor, we could do a relationship series every month and nothing's going to fix it. You can go to a conference and you can put a Band-Aid on it, but if you're not willing to do the hard work of getting it better, it's not going to get better. So my goal as your pastor, whether you are single, whether you're dating, whether you're engaged, whether you're divorced, whether you're happily married, or man, maybe your marriage is struggling today, is that you wouldn't just hear the word of Christ, but that you would apply it to your life. So almost every week of this series, 
We're going to give you homework. That may be real interesting next week, but we're going to give you homework um, to talk about questions that we want you to talk about as couples, as dating, as engaged, as married, even asking yourself questions as a single. So today I want to talk to you about the title of my message is Harry Styles in Boxes. Harry Styles and Boxes. And if you don't know Harry, who Harry Styles is, man, your life is really, really blessed. Um, I'm just going to tell you, your life is way better than my life is. Um, this is Somebody told me a liar just now, so I'm all right with that, because it was a little mid-high girl. So anyways, but I want to talk to us about how does, how does, that's the only time a mid-hire has ever talked up in my sermon, like liar, um, but how do you and I, how do two people become one, right? How do two people become one? And as a single person, man, when you get married, you have these thoughts of what your marriage is going to look like. And a lot of times, that is two people becoming one. You're dating, you're, you're engaged, all this stuff. And every wedding I've ever done has the unity ceremony, right? You guys know this part. And how many of you had the candle in your ceremony? Come on, that means you're old, okay? So welcome to the club. I had a candle too. And here's what happens. Like you lit the candle and then the church's air conditioner comes on and it blows the candle off, right? It should be a unity torch. Can we start that movement? Like it just turns into like an Olympic torch, like, yes, that's our marriage, burning hot and bright. Um, but because what happened when the, when the unity candle went off, grandma got up there, right? And she's trying to work a clicker, like click, you've seen this. And then the grandpa that smokes all the time pulls out a Zippo and it's like, wah, wah, you know, he's like, this is my just for time is this moment, you know, and he's got the raspy voice and like, I, may, I saved that marriage. Here's the deal. We know, we know the unity. If you haven't figured out, this is going to be a really fun series. Um, if, we know the unity ceremony. And right now, the big thing is the unity knot or cord. And as a pastor that does a lot of weddings, I'm like, what, what, what do I do with this? Like, what? Is this so you can hang yourself later? Is this... So you can just beat each other with it when you get mad, like it's a wee thing. Um, you know, like what, what, are, we, what are we doing? Um, but my favorite one we've done was the sand ceremony. Um, some of you know this. And uh, one of the very first weddings that I did doing the sand ceremony is uh, my cousin. And she married, Nora married a great guy named Justin. And um, during their ceremony, they're, they're getting ready to blend the sand, and, you know, you're supposed to, you're supposed to have your sand and their sand, and you pour it into this one vessel or some sort of picture box, and it blends together, and it's really pretty. Well, something happened to the sand overnight, and it got wet or humid or something. Something happened, and I swear it wasn't me. And they just started, like, they went to go pour, pour the sand, and it, nothing came out. And so they're like, ah, uh, you know, like they're, they're beating the sand and it's coming out in clumps. It's like bloop. And then part of it would stick. And it's all over the table. It's all over the stage. It's just like, blah, you know, it, it's like, and I think the reason I tell you that, I think that's a really accurate picture of how marriage works most of the time. You know, like when two people are trying to become one couple and one unit, that's probably a pretty accurate picture of what reality looks like. And here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 19, verse 5 through 6. This is going to be our main text for today. It says, for this reason, 
A man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they're no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. And this is what Jesus, the ultimate love guru, is talking about what a healthy marriage looks like. It's no longer two people functioning on their own. It's about us being one. One unit, one couple of one mind for one purpose going through life. Now, this sounds great, but it's really hard for this to become a reality. And here's why I think this, this scripture is really hard and really difficult to become a reality is because when we come into a relationship, we bring our own boxes, right? We bring our own needs. We bring our own expectations, our own dreams, our own wants. When, when you start as, as a single person right now, and this isn't a bad thing, you've got what your significant other person, you've got what your dream guy looks like, what your dream girl looks like. You've got what they're going to act like, how they're going to treat you, how they're going to talk to you, if you're going to be rich or poor. And can I just tell you, I think every couple needs to be poor at some point in their life, especially early on, because learning to just survive on beans and cornbread does something something really good for your soul. Um, but you just appreciate where God brings you. But you have dreams of what it's going to look like. Most girls, you have already put to, you're picking out wedding dresses and what song's going to be in your wedding when you're five years old. I'm like, give it a rest, right? Like, I don't, I don't get that. Like, guys were just like, I don't care. I'm here for the honeymoon, right? That's just where we're at. And we bring our own boxes, but, but here's the problem. It's not that you bring a box. It's that when I came into a, to the relationship with Carrie, Casey, this is how I envisioned my box. I don't have a lot of wants. I'm not a high-maintenance guy. Casey probably would have disagreed with that. You know, I'm not super needy. And this is how I view myself, right? Like, this, this is my, the me box, that I bring in, I'm like, hey, there's not a lot of needs, there's not a lot of desires, um, this is just how I, th this is me. But then, there's the me box and the their box, right? And the their box <laughs> looks like this. And it's large, and it's in charge, and you're like, can one person need all that? Like one person can feel that many emotions in one day. Like I don't get that. Like what, what's, what's happening? I, and, and we maximize their neediness and their desires and their wants. And we minimize our wants and our desires and our dreams. And here it is. As long as marriage looks like this, as long as your relationship looks like this, your relationship doesn't look like what Jesus said it should look like. You can have your wants, you can have your needs, you can have your expectations, but they can't be two separate things. The goal is, and hopefully the goal will be, that you and I, and the, your, not you and I, that you and your spouse, this will get really awkward. This is how cults are formed, Justin. I understand that. Everybody's married to me. Um, here we go. No. <laughs> Stop that whistling right now. Stop that. <laughs> that we would have a wee box. Right? That we would have a wee box. That Casey and I don't have Justin's 
Justin's box and Casey's box. <laughs> trying to keep myself out of trouble. But that we would have a we box. This is where we bring our expectations. What our goals are, what our dreams are, what our needs are. And this is way different because this, these two are constantly at battle. But this, the we box is constantly working. Like you're constantly working within and for the we box. And here's what I will tell you. As long as me, as long as you're fighting for me, we always lose us. As long as you constantly view it as there, we always lose us. And so today I want to give you some things about how do you and I have a we box type of marriage? How do we have two people becoming one? First thing is this, is that some of us, we've got to do this. We've got to decide to grow up and choose mature love. We've got to grow up and choose mature love. Philippians chapter 13, a lot of us, we know this scripture. Paul starts talking about what love really looks like. Not what like Hollywood looks like, not what the notebook portrays, you know, or the fault in our stars portrays, but not what, what uh, Harry Styles sings about in one direction, you know, but, but what does love, what is love? What is, this is what the supreme love guru would tell you love is all about. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4, love is patient and kind. I tell you, nobody talks about, no, I've not heard a Harry Styles song yet, and I've heard a bunch of them. <laughs> Golden. I have not heard him preach or, or sing about love is patient and kind. No, because that's not sexy, right? Love being patient and kind is something you choose to do, not something you feel to do. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. Keeps no record of being wronged. I'm going to repeat that one part. It's not irritable. 2020, I had a hard time with that. Everything got canceled. You know, I'm like, ah, I'm listening to One Direction and Harry Styles all the time in my house. And I'm like, ah, right? Love's not irritable. It doesn't keep a record of wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. It's always hopeful. And check this out. And endures through every circumstance. It endures through it. It walks through it. It doesn't check out when things get hard. How do you do that? How do you have a marriage? Because the goal is this, for every single one of us that gets married, for all of us that are, are single, for all of us that are dating, engaged, here's our goal. And we don't even have to say this. I know this about every single one of us. Our goal for our marriage, when we finally meet the one, when we finally get married, why we're married, the goal is that we would have longevity and faithfulness in it. Right? That we would be like you see some couples, and they're like 90 years old and still in love. Right? You guys remember the movie Up? That's like my goal, to have an up marriage, right? Like these old couples still doing adventures, and they're still in love, and you're like, yeah. And then you see couples who are just surviving. Like they're, they know they're stuck, 
right? They're, they've been there 45, 50, 60, 70 years, and they're like, well, I don't know what I'm going to do now, right? Like, I'd like to go on a vacation, but you got to go with me, so that's not really a vacation. And, and you're just like, I don't want to be like that. Love chooses to endure every circumstance. And here's what Paul says. He says, this is mature love. This isn't love that, that you feel your way through and you feel your way to. This is something that grown-ups do. You grow up and you choose mature love. And this phrase right here, this verse, verse 11 says this, when I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. It always struck me weird to have this verse in 1 Corinthians 13. But when you understand the context of what Paul is saying, he's saying, you know what? When I grew up, when I became a man, I put away reasoning and speaking and understanding and thinking like a child. And I chose to grow up and I chose to love the way God instructs me to love my spouse and to love other people. And you're not going to feel your way there. You have to do the grown-up thing, and you have to choose your way there. Because I've said this before, but if you don't put childish things away, they will put you away. If you don't put away childish practices in your relationship, they will cost you the relationship. If you don't put away the childish view that you have about the way love is going to be, and, and hear me, I don't want all of you that are, are engaged in dating, like, I don't want to not feel love for you. You're going to feel love, but there's going to be moments where love is a choice, where you choose to be patient, and you choose to be kind, and you choose to go through every circumstance, and you choose not to be rude, and you choose not to be angry, but you don't keep records when they did something wrong, and you just freely forgive, and you let them restart, and not say, well, you remember when you did this, or remember when you did this? That's our nature. Paul's saying, man, that can't be. You've got to choose to grow up. You've got to put away childish things, or the childish things will put you away. This became pretty evident to me this past year. My youngest daughter, Chloe, um, she is about 14 years old. And this past year, there's a transition that happened in her room. Um, her room was a loft. It had a, uh, not a loft, but she had like a little loft bed and a tie-dye room and different pictures. And there was a plaque she had up in her room that said, my hero did come. His name is Daddy, right? And I was like, oh yeah, that's right. So, so here's the plaque. Here's where that plaque was as of Friday. Like I had to clear all the garbage and stuff away so I could actually find the plaque. What happened was this past year, Chloe wanted to redo her room, repaint it, have LED lights up, and here's what I got replaced with right here. Harry Styles wall. I got Toy Story to the attic by Harry Styles. She put me in the attic. And here's the worst part. I went and bought these pictures at Walgreens and didn't even know what I was picking up. She says, thanks, Dad. No problem. I walk up. I'm like, did I just buy that? Like when she put it up, she's like, yeah. I was like, I hate you, right? Like, what happened? She grew up. Stinks. Parents are like, oh, that hurts my heart for you. Are you okay? No, but I'm getting there. 
She's no longer a child. She's growing up. And as a result, she put away childish things. And here's the deal. Nobody can do it for you but you. Nobody can do it for you but you. And if you're still being selfish, if you're still being, being all about you and all about me box, it's time for you to grow up. If you're still viewing your spouse anytime they ask you to do something and you're just like, you're never happy, you're never, and you go to extremes, you need to grow up. If you're easily irritated, if you're easily angered, if you're constantly rude because they let you get away with it, hear me, it's time for you to choose to grow up and to mature in your love because your love will never function in a mature way if you keep operating in an immature way. That was really good, and I just came up with it. Your love, your relationship, and your love will never function in a mature way if you decide to always function and operate in an immature way. Some of us, we don't know why every relationship, we keep meeting the wrong person, and the wrong person, maybe it has nothing to do with the wrong person. You're just not the right person yet. Woo. Like, I just can't meet a right guy or a right girl ever. Maybe it's because you're not the right guy or the right girl. Because it's never going to be good with someone else if it's not good with just you and the Lord. We'll talk about that later. That has nothing to do with today. Some of us, it's just time for us to grow up. Because we love, we love looking at longevity and we want faithfulness. But some of us, we don't want to pay the price of the fruit of faithfulness. We just want to reap its reward without enduring through every circumstance. If you're going to have a wee box marriage, man, you've got to choose to grow up and to have mature love. The second thing is this. You've got to put your spouse first or they will feel last. doesn't mean that they are last, but they will feel last. You've got to put your spouse first or they will feel last. All right? Jesus said this, verse 6, so they are no longer two but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Let no one come in front. Let no one get in the way of you and your spouse. Now, now let me say this. Let me make this disclaimer. If you're dating and if you're engaged, this does not apply to you yet, right? I, 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 can I talk for a dad just for a second and put my pastor hat over here for just a second? Teenage guys, teenage girls, you've been dating for a month, Right? And you're like, oh, they are the one. And you're 12 years old. Oh, they are it. And you're just like, I can't imagine my life without you. Well, you've lived 12 years without him. I think, here, here's the deal. Here's what I would tell you. Until you guys get married, they're not the number one thing in your life yet. That there's got to be, but, but once there's the union of husband and wife, this is when it becomes true. You've got to have balance to your relationships. And if that person becomes everything, there's not balance in your friendships and your relationships. And when we start to isolate in our dating relationships, in our engagement relationships, regrets comes in pretty quickly. Understand, your first priority in your life, and this is for every single one of us, is Jesus Christ. And your second one for all of you married people are your, is your spouse. It's not your kids. It's not your kids. And I get pushed back on this all the time. Hear me. Let no one separate. Let no one separate. It's not 
your kids. Because what's the alternative to that? If you say my spouse isn't my alternative, what you're saying is my kids come before my spouse. And that's dysfunctional. And that's not going to work. And that's not a wee box type of marriage. That's letting somebody else into the box. And your spouse, if your family, hear me, if your family's going to be healthy, the marriage has to be healthy first. It's got to be a first thing because healthy families come from healthy marriages. But where there's dysfunctional marriages, guess what the family is? It's dysfunctional. And so hear me, but my situation's different. No, 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 no. Hear me. I want everything for you today. I want great, healthy marriages for you today. And your spouse has to be number one or they'll feel last because that's what we do. Our feelings get hurt, and we feel last. I love this quote by my friend. He said, God is my purpose, my spouse is my priority, and my kids are my responsibility. God is my purpose, my spouse is my priority, and my kids are my responsibility. And if you can use that to guide your life, your marriage is going to be a wee box. It's going to help you out. It doesn't mean that your kids don't have any place in your life. It's just they don't have the first place in your life. And some of the kids sitting here are like, I don't like this guy anymore. Um, <laughs> Proverbs, Proverbs 18, 22. The man who finds a wife finds a treasure. Man, amen? There you go. The man who finds a wife finds a treasure, and he receives favor from the Lord. If you get something you treasure, you take care of it. Right? I, I've seen us. I've seen us guys. We get, you know, a new gun for hunting. I don't know about hunting. I'm not a big hunter yet. Yet. I'm, ge- I'm getting there. Duck hunting, I'm getting there. Um, but I um, still haven't killed anything, but I'm getting there, right? I'd rather, try, I'd rather fail trying than fail watching, baby. Anyways, um, <laughs> is, is we get new things. We get guns. We get golf clubs. You get a new car. You get an old car that you're restoring. And what do we do? We baby that thing. We treasure that thing. We make sure that it's okay, it's in working order, all these things. Why? Because we treasure it. And the Bible is saying this, that if you have a wife, you have a treasure. Newsflash, everybody that's married in here, you weren't owed your spouse. That's a blessing God gave you. You're not entitled to, I'm not entitled to Casey. Casey's not entitled to me. I think she's just reaping something that she did really bad earlier on in life. But, um, you know, she's just reap what you sow, girl. Um, but we, we're not owed anything. But the Bible says this. I, if I've been given a treasure, I'll take care of it. And one of my friends, uh, really best friend, Corey, sent me a, a Christmas gift this past year. It's the coolest Christmas, one of the coolest Christmas gifts I've ever gotten. So if you have a son, if you have a husband, if you have a son-in-law that you never know what to buy, this is a, if you got nothing from today, this may be one thing. You're like, okay, I got something. So um, he got me something called Battle Box. Has anybody heard of Battle Box? Anybody? I'm not getting paid for this product push. Okay, so what, like two people. Battle Box is a box that they send to my house once a month with like survival skills, like camping survival skills, 
but also prepping skills. So your pastor is starting to become a prepper one month at a time right now. Um, but it like teaches you, it like puts things in this box I would never buy and I didn't even know existed, right? It's like, this is how you make a cord and a rope out of a plastic bottle. You take this cool and, and so now I can make a rope out of a plastic, I don't know how to catch anything, I don't know how to kill anything, but hey, I can prep, we are prepped to survive for three whole days if everything shuts down. <laughs> Let the prepping start now. <laughs> prepping and repping is what my, my, but anyways, here's the deal. It comes with all this stuff in the box, but with it comes a YouTube instructional video about 30 minutes to an hour that I watch to learn how to use this stuff that I have no idea what I'm doing, but I do after this video shows me. It's one of the coolest, it's just a really cool, I'm like, this is really cool. I've got adventure, I've got learning a new skill, I've got all these things that's happening once a month. And, and here's the deal. We all have a wee box in our relationships, right? It's not that we don't have expectations. The, the goal is that we would bring our expectations because, and you'll hear this later on in the series, uncommunicated expectations are unrealistic expectations, right? You can't just have expectations, but you got to communicate it. And, and we have expectations, and we have dreams, and we have goals, and we have needs. And if you caught a key word there, it was we. And we have these things in our box. And, and here's the deal. That battle box is really cool and really awesome. And I take time to study what's in the box because I value it. And some of us, we have a we box and we have needs and goals and dreams and wants and desires as, as a team, as a couple, as a relationship. But the problem is we aren't studying what's in the box. Because the reality is somewhere along the way, we either got too busy, they didn't stay the number one priority, or we just got lazy. Let's be honest. Well, I'm, and here's the deal. We can say we're too busy, but you make time for the things you really want to make time for. How are you at studying what's in our wee box? How are you at knowing what your wife, what your husband needs? What they expect. It's not wrong to have expectations, but you can't have your expectations and me have my expectations. We have to have our expectations. It's no problem her, you having your, me having my needs and them having my, their needs. It's we have to have our needs. And some of us, we, we say, oh, they're the most important thing. But what good would it do for that battle box to be delivered to my house but me not know or study how to use it? And some of you, you've got a wee box, but there's, you haven't studied how to meet your spouse's needs. And you and I... We were to be honest, we can say, oh, babe, you're number one, you're number one, you're number one. But they don't feel that way. And as a result, they feel like they're lost in the mix. And on the bad days, they feel like they're last. That everything is more important, that you're more passionate, you're more driven about everything else but us. If we're going to be two that become one, we had to be really good stewards of investing in this and studying this. And this feeds into my last point. And simply this, it has to be about you serving one another instead of controlling one another. It has to be about you serving one another 
instead of trying to control one another. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 through 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Some of our marriages would look completely different. Some of our relationships would look completely different. If Philippians 2, chapter 3 were a reality in our life. I tell you, if some of you are like, oh, I'm just a high-maintenance person, this is why being high-maintenance isn't biblical. If you're in a dating relationship and they say, well, I'm just a high-maintenance girl or I'm just, a, I'm just a controlling guy, run, don't look back, you'll turn into a pillar of salt like Lot's wife, run. <laughs> Go as fast as you can, as far as you can. Go sim on your cell phone. Go. Rather in humility, value others above your. We're great at doing that with so many people, but not so great at doing it with our spouse. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. That's what it's saying. It's saying, serve one another. Don't try to control it. Don't try to control your spouse, but how can you serve your spouse? How can you serve them? Not every once in a while. Not when it's Valentine's Day next week. Not when your anniversary is coming around. But how can you do this on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, on a regular basis? It's not about controlling. It's about serving. Growing up, the biggest power play in every household is who's in control of the thermostat. And most of the time, it's the dad. Let's just be honest. Most of the control, it was the guy. And in my house, the same was true. And my dad kept it a little hot, well, a lot hotter than I keep it. Um, and I didn't, I mean, I just walked around with shorts and no shirt on, like every high school boy does, right? That's what you grew up on. I grew up on a waterbed. And so in the summer when it was hot, I just slept right on the bladder, right? Like just on that, and like, blah, 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 you know, that's just what, that's what you did, right? Some of you are like, waterbeds, bring them back, right? But, um, that you didn't mess with the thermostat. First off, you needed an engineer degree to figure out how to work that bad boy. But the second thing is, I don't know how, but my dad knew. My dad knew. Like, if you touched it, he knew. And that was fine when I was a high schooler. But when Casey and I got married, we went to stay at the house, and we keep it at a godly 68 degrees at night. Um, it needs to be in the 60s, or you're not biblical. Anyways, um, so we, we keep it at 68 degrees, and, and, and so we went to my parents' house. It's like 75, 78, and I'm like, I can't sleep. I'm going to throw up. Uh, I'm so hot, right? I'm just like, don't touch me. You're touch-. And we've been married for like five months. Usually you're touching is a good thing at nighttime. And I'm like, don't, don't, right? And I was like, I'm done. I'm done with this. When I was a child, I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. I understood like a child. I got out of that bed and put away some childish things, and I turned the A's. Down. I was like, oh yeah. And then I walked really fast and quietly back to my room so my dad didn't find out. And I was Casey's like, did you do it? I was like, wake him up. I turned it down. There's <laughs> the deal. The person in control of the thermostat was in control of the whole environment. And some of you, that's what your marriage, that's what your relationship looks like. I tell you, if you're dating and you're engaged right now, and one of you's in control instead of both of you being in control, that's not okay. That's not okay, and it's not going to end well. 
Because if they're already trying to control you now, hear me, marriage is not a minimizer, it's a maximizer. <laughs> Things get magnified in marriage, not minimized in marriage. And you can't bring dysfunctional habits into a relationship and take the next step and expect for it to function like normal. It's not going to. And some of us, our marriages, our spouses, one of you's in control while the other one's just out here like, hey, I, I would, I'd like to kind of have some input what goes in our box, right? And if, if, if one of you's in control of what I call the trifecta, you're in control of what you do with your time, how you spend your time, where we go on vacations, where we don't go on vacations, you're in control of time, you're in control of money, how we spend our money, we're going to do this, we're, gonna do, we're not going to do that. If you're in control of time, money, and let's just call it the way it is, sex, I don't know if there's anything else to control. And that's not healthy, and that's not okay. If it always has to be your terms, and when you decide, and, and, and you say, well, it just works better when I'm in control. No, 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 that's what control freaks say. Oh, they like it when I'm in control. No, 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 no. They like it when you're not mean. And when you're not being upset because you actually decided to put something in the wee box. It's like a little kid at the checkout stand with their mom and all the candies. They're like, put that back, put that back, put that back. Stop touching everything, right? And some of our spouses, they feel like, well, I would like, no, no, we don't have the budget. Well, could, I know it's Tuesday, but could we maybe have sex? No, no, it's not our day. <laughs> so you're like, did he just really? No, really? I know how it works. <laughs> I would like to do this with her. No, no, we don't have time for that. Hear me, you're controlling things. You're not serving your spouse. And marriage is this, and I, I got to shut up because I could talk about relationships all day. Your marriage, if you're going to have a great marriage, here's, here's the contest. It's not about a control contest. It's about a submission contest. Who can submit more? Right? Submitting means this, that I go to the end of the line. I have a really hard time being in the end of any line. In fact, we were at Disney World, and I had this woman cut in front of me, and it wasn't going to go good if I said something to her because she looked at me like this when she walked in like, mm-hmm, I'm here. And I was like... It's not worth it. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. I'm going to get kicked out of the park. It's not worth it. It's right. Submission is, no, no, it's not, it's not me. It's you. It's a submission competition. Who can serve the other? And if you can get to that place, no longer will there be me boxes and their boxes. But it'll be a we box. What I can tell you is relationships, dating, engaged, marriage are way better when we do the hard work of getting it to a place where there's a we box instead of a me box. Let's pray. Lord, I love you. I thank you for today. And Lord, in every aspect of this relationship, Wherever we are in the gamut of this, Lord, I pray that you would come in and that you would help us to become one. Lord, for every dating and engaged person that's here, Lord, I pray that they would start putting in the right principles and the right practices now. 
Because, Lord, things aren't just going to get magically better when we start functioning the way that we should and we start putting in the habits that we should have all along. And we can say our situation's different. It's not. So, Lord, let us not do things our way and expect your blessings upon it, but, Lord, let us do things your way so that your blessing and anointing can truly be on it. I pray for every person that's not in a relationship. The Lord, instead of talking about what's wrong with everyone else, we would make sure everything's right with us. Because some of us, we keep finding faults with everyone else instead of letting you do the work you want to do in us. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us today to become perfectly good with just you and us. The Lord, we wouldn't put our identity and we wouldn't put our security in someone else, but that our identity and our security would be found in you. And Lord, for every marriage that's in this place, Lord, that we would do the hard work of having a wee box marriage. We'd do the hard work of doing this, Lord, of growing up and choosing mature love of making sure our staff, our spouse, knows that they are our top priority and making sure to serve one another. Not trying to control the outcomes, not trying to manipulate them, but Lord, to serve them. And I pray that your blessing, your, your, you want great things for us. And so Lord, I pray that if this is something we truly value, that we would be willing to work and fight for it. And that every marriage in this place would get better, would become one, and that you'd help us. It's in Jesus' name I pray with heads bowed and eyes closed today if you're here and you say, Justin, I'm here, and I don't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. We want to give you a chance to change that. Maybe you're here and you say, Justin, I'm here, and where I'm at isn't where I should be in my relationship with Jesus Christ. I just need to recommit my life to him. I will tell you this, every relationship you are in or that you are currently in or will be in, if this relationship with your heavenly father isn't right, your other relationships will never function like they should. Some of you, the best thing you can do with your relationship with your spouse, with your future spouse, is to get this relationship with your Heavenly Father right today. When I count to three, if that's you, I just want you to raise your hand, and we're going to lead you in a prayer to change your life. One, two, three. Is there anyone here today? You say, Justin, that's me today. Yeah. Is there anyone else? You join this hand that is raised. You say, Justin, that's me today. And you join these two hands that are lifted. Is there anyone else before we go any further in service today? You say, Justin, that's me. You may be at home watching online. I would just encourage you. Yeah, I see one more. Is there anybody else? You join these three hands that are lifted before we go any further in service today. Say, Justin, that's me. That's me. Is there anyone else? If you raise your hand, if you please repeat this prayer after me and mean it from your heart. Jesus, I come before you today. And I confess that I've sinned and that I've messed up. And where I'm at isn't where I should be. But I ask for your forgiveness. God, I turn away from the life that I was living. I repent of it. And I turn to you. And I grab hold of the life you have for me. I confess you, Jesus Christ, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. 
I'm going to live for you the rest of my days. It is in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can we give these three individuals today to raise our hand a huge round of applause? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before Michael comes up, I want to give us some homework. So every week, every week out of this series, I told you if your marriage is going to get better, you're going to have to be willing to work for it. Guys, I have homework on Super Bowl Sunday. You're welcome, all the men out there. That means this, I've got five questions that I want you and your spouse to talk about. And some of you are like, well, we'll get to it tomorrow. No, 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 no. Do it today. Super Bowl doesn't start till 5.30. Do it. Well, I've got plenty. Do it today. And when you talk about this, man, it may start some arguments, because we don't fight, right? We have arguments, heated debates. Um, But stay open and let your spouse talk to you. And if you don't understand, or if something wants to trigger up inside of you, I would encourage you to do this. Dive deeper into that, in those emotions and those responses and ask them more questions. The five questions are this. Number one, do you feel like it's a me and you thing or a we thing? Do we still have a me box and a they box? Or do we have a we box type of marriage? Number two, what's in our box? What's our needs? What's our dreams? What's our desires? What's our expectations? Because we can't meet it if we don't know what's in the box. What's in our box? Number three, how can I help you know you are my number one priority? What can I do? What can I say? One of the things that I have done recently is that Casey's, uh, uh, her, her love language is acts of service. I say, hey, what can I do for you today and make your day better? Is there something I can do to make your day go smoother? I try to do that at least twice a week just to help her out because I know that's one way that she knows she is my number one priority. Number four, is one of us in control of what is going in the box? Number five, how can I serve you, my spouse, better? Man, do the work. Do the homework of this. And I can promise you this, it may be a little rough, but you'll come out better for it. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions, are in need of prayer, or would like to join a connect group, feel free to email me at nicole at foundationschurch.tv. We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.